This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, September 26th, 2020. Still 2020. Um, there was some stuff that happened this week that I was thinking about, that I was going to talk about, that was all up in our 2020 grill. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Gabe Newell announced that he's going to be retiring this week. Gabe Newell. He's uh, now hold on. You told me this last night. I should know this. Founder of Valve. Yep. Founder and owner of Valve or mostly owner of Valve. He's retiring, which means he's going to be selling Valve, which means he's going to be selling Steam. Now, That's, now, is he going to sell it with DRM so that whoever buys it can't share it? <laughs> now, some Minecraft sold for four billion dollars. Uh huh. Bethesda sold for like seven and a half billion dollars. Mm. So, how much does that make Steam worth? Oh, it'll be in that neighborhood. Uh, Steam's a you know a huge platform, really popular. Uh, great access to a big market. It's it's going to sell in that neighborhood. I don't think it's going to be significantly higher, but it'll be it'll be in more than one billion category for sure. And what are the odds that Epic buys it? Epic's looking really good. I hadn't really thought about this until you just asked, but um, Microsoft obviously is a great target, but they're the ones who just acquired Bethesda. They, I don't know if they have the cash to, uh, to pick up Valve, although I do know a couple of people with whom I worked at said uh, globalist corporation who uh, quit Microsoft and moved on to Valve, at least for a short time. Um, and then, of course, there's the cheerful thought that EA or Activision might buy Valve. <clears throat> I mean, they've got the cash. They, uh, their, their rep is even worse than Microsoft's when it comes to acquiring studios. Microsoft, Microsoft will infect a studio with its own people and, and management style. And sort of, not not quite zombify it, but Microsoftify it. But EA and Activision, of course, or EA specifically, has a really bad reputation of just looting it and burning it to the ground. That'd be bad. That'd be bad for anybody who cares about video games, which I don't. I know you're a big Bethesda fan. You loved your Fallout and uh, Skyrim. and Well, you were, yeah. You loved your Skyrim. You loved your Fallout. I can't stand their games. Uh, the the ugly art, the massive bugs, the I quit playing Morrowind when I found out I could just mash the space bar while standing in town to raise my acrobatic skill. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and play something else now. But so uh, so, what do you think? What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I'm just you know sitting back and sipping my ice cold water and. Wondering how bad this is going to get. 
you know, you told me about this water thing last night. I've uh, forgive me, everybody who's listening later. Uh, it's awesome to see everybody alive. Welcome to the show, by the way. I uh, I'm losing my voice a little bit to uh, due to some extended role playing sessions, and I said, well, what should I do about this? Daddy Warpig suggested drink a tall glass of water. I can tell you, man, I tried it, and uh, I I don't think it's going to catch on. I, I'm not sure why anybody would drink this instead of soda <laughs> or tea or coffee. I drink primarily water, only water, usually. It is a rare day when I drink something that isn't water. How's that working out for you? Really good. Oh, oh, well, well maybe there's something to it. Um, so yeah, that was a 2020 thing. Gabe Newell announces his retirement and, uh, we haven't got an announcement of the buyer yet. I'm, I'm just, you know, wondering what's going to be happening there. There was something else that happened this week that was especially 2020, but I can't remember what it is. Can you jog my memory? Do you remember? Oh, oh, wow. This week? Excuse me. Um, from what I recall, this week has been a lot of stuff we don't usually talk about on the show. Oh, Some yeah. Very... There's the Supreme Court. We don't want to talk about that. That's yeah. politics. But, yeah, that's a 2020 thing all the way. Like 40 days, 38 days before an election, uh, Supreme Court justice passes away, which we mentioned last week. And they're nominating a new one and prepared, you know, to do it rapidly and we went from like three people or almost four people dissenting so it wouldn't get nominated to several of them flipping all of a sudden so that was a I, I, in like two days two days somebody went to them and said something that made them flip so all of a sudden we got a nominee last night so that's cool yeah um, that's cool We've got some. We've got some support. We, we're actually drawing battle lines in chat. Um, I, I'm definitely on team Megabuster Shepherd here. Uh, T is the correct answer. And, uh, uh, I'm just glad you weren't talking battle lines over the Supreme Court. I'm like battle lines over drinks. We're cool with that. Yeah, that's yeah. Fun. No, it's I, I. We don't have that type of listener here. It's it's a. Uh, they'll they'll take it to tw Twitter if they want to argue politics. Uh, I'm glad we keep it fun and light here. Um, let's see. No national disasters. No natural disasters that I can remember. <laughs> that was a great Freudian slip. I liked that one. National disasters. <laughs> let's see. Yes, English uh, breakfast tea. Any time of day with a little bit of sugar. That's what I'm talking about. Chrissy Teigen. And her husband, John, what's his name? Oh, is that a Polish name? Mm. They promise that if Trump wins the election, they're moving to Canada. This being mm. like a week after they bought a $12.75 million mansion in Beverly Hills. You know, I visited Beverly Hills once, just uh, drove through along the coast. You know, you know what? It's really nice. Because <laughs> that's what you do. 
when you buy a $12.75 million mansion, you get ready to move in 40-something days. Oh, you know as well as I, that's pure virtue signaling. Uh, we we yeah. were promised a, a lot of angry mini-celebrities were going to leave after 2016, and hey, everybody's still here. Uh, I was hopeful, too. I was ready. I was excited. They sounded serious this time, buddy. I know. It turns out everybody likes this place and would rather stay and try to make it a better place. Um, I guess that's all right. No, all right. I can't think of anything else. The one thing I was going to talk about, I, it, it fled my mind. Oh, Jumped good. right out of my skull. Uh, I've got I've got mildly exciting news for uh, for myself. It's really exciting over here. I don't know about I don't know about you, but I'm going to make you listen to it anyway. Okay. We finally finished the build a mech for Brian Niemeyer's new book. Uh, Ardenon in the chat. How you doing, man? Uh, we did the back and forth sketches, colors, and everything. It looks really cool. Brian just posted it on his website. I'm really happy with it. I'm proud of the design. Um, if, uh, if you don't like mechs, I don't care. Uh, if you like mechs, check it out. Uh, we went, we went a little weird again, not as weird as my first one, but, um, I'm very happy with it. All right. I'm not going to tell you all about it. That's like talking about your D and D character. It's not cool, but, uh, check it out. It's fun. I, I like the, I like the final product from Ardenon and, uh, of course, Brian, wrote out all the stats and specs and everything for it. And then he's, he's fitted into his story nicely. So that'll be fun to read. Thanks DJ. It is beautiful. I, I said, give me, give me a turret, give me a, a hovering turret with rail guns and, uh, and Ardenon cranked that dial up. That's, it was great. Um, and last night on Traveler, we broke out of jail. Had some fun role-playing, classic Traveler. It's still a fun game. Who knew? Specifically, we broke out of a uh, a aborted starship that uh, of a class that never really worked and everybody hated, so they just converted it to a jail. We broke out of there and... Uh, our DM had prepared this entire big, like almost dungeon crawl where we were supposed to go through the ship and take it over and hit their computers and do some research and discover all this information on a conspiracy and free some prisoners and, you know, maybe find our stuff that they had taken from us. And we were just like, look, it's a direct route to the one single, uh, drop ship or sister or ship's boat off this. Let's do that. And yeah. we got the hell out of there. <laughs> there was probably a treasure trove of information about the people who run this ship, the great conspiracy behind it all. And we're just like, you know what? That's the boat out of here. We're taking it. Just. And, and okay. in fact, he expected us to leave everybody else behind and just the three of us jump off the ship and go down to the planet and find this gigantic reward for the guy we left behind. But we just grabbed everybody who we had talked to 
I took him with us anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, everybody else had been there on the jail ship so long. They were fully cooperative. They're like, yeah, just, just get me off this ship. <laughs> so. All good. It was a ton of fun. So don't forget to go. It was kind of disappointing, though. I was what already because the motto for a jail is you find the biggest guy on the ship and you beat the crap out of him. And then everybody leaves you alone. But it turns out that the two biggest guys on the ship were me and another player character. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It was is a, a secret prison for political problems, not uh, not violent, uh, not violent uh, criminals. Yeah, it wasn't Rikers Island. <clears throat> yeah. So. Yeah, we have, we're having fun in Traveler. Traveler has uh, been a lot of fun. It's nice to play a game that isn't a glorified oh. miniatures combat system. It's a nice change of pace. This was the 2020 thing I saw today. Uh, Mega Buster Shepard just reminded me of it. It was at Myrtle Beach. Uh, was it, there Myrtle was Beach? a water spout out on the ocean that came ashore and turned into a tornado and tore the hell out of Myrtle Beach. And there were people uh, caught under the tornado as people were trying to flee. But it just, you know, all of those, uh, you know, all of that stuff they put on the beach so people can go out and sun themselves and whatever, just tore the hell up, spun around, threw it around. And a guy was filming it on his, on his cell phone. <laughs> And I'm like, you fool, get into a basement. But it was a cool little clip and he lived. So maybe I'm just paranoid because, you know, we've had a tornado come through Salt Lake City and tear the crap out of things. Is this the one that actually became a Sharknado? No. No. I remember seeing a picture. There was a, there's a, a horrible event and, and there's a, a fishing net full of sharks actually had been thrown around and was hanging from a telephone pole. So because of oh. the wind, <clears throat> so a, a real life Sharknado happened. I did not know that. I've never heard of that. I'll have to find it. I think it came from this Myrtle beach event. <clears throat> um, so that was the a 2020 thing I saw this morning. It literally happened like yesterday or in the last couple of days. Fantastic. Uh, it just keeps getting better and better. What's that? People are people are now sharing on social media. Uh, I'm. Is anybody else really worried about the 2020 season finale? Oh yeah, it's going to be crazy. You got to be wondering what they've you know what they've got cooked up. Um. Anyway, uh, we talked about Traveler. We talked about. The 2020 stuff. Uh, is there anything about AD&D we can hit before we go to the main? Oh, I don't have any. That? I don't have anything this week. I have been playing my regular game with, with my buddy on Roll20. It's fun, but I don't have any new insights. Or um, For anybody who plays 5th edition, the Warlock class is the most 5th edition class in the game. It it doesn't work without the 5th edition rules. That's all I have to say about that. 
it's you not that interesting. <laughs> well, it's uh, the fifth edition has its rest rules. The way you know, every when you take an hour to take a short rest, you can recoup some hit points and abilities. And right. the the warlock basically, <clears throat> the warlock only gets two or three spells a day, but it's not per day. You get them back uh, upon a short rest. So it's two spells or three spells at higher level, and then you take an hour, and then you get to cast them again, right? If if that were like a if that were a per day thing, it'd be a completely unplayable class. You just be like, great, I've got two spells, right? Whatever. But inside the fifth edition system, as long as you can get yourself a rest or two in throughout a session, uh, depending on what you're doing, it's great. But it feels kind of like a superhero. You've got a small set of tricks that sort of define what you do and what your shtick is, and you just do them over and over again. So in, in a couple of ways, it's the most it, it, it's the most representative of fifth edition, in my opinion. What would you say was the most representative of third edition? Um, two things. I think the <clears throat> the fighter, because it was a feat maniac, and yes. they they created the whole feat system and ruined the whole feat system just for the fighter. Um, that's that's the main thing, and I'd I'd have to say after that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, probably the sorcerer, where they Dude. they. What's up? Those were the two I picked in my mind when I asked you the question. There you go. We are on the same wavelength. Matthew Martin suggests the power class is the 3.5 druid. There's no question that that power gamers who want to literally solo entire adventures are going to choose cleric or, or druid. Uh, they're, the, the druid in particular is absolutely bonkers in that system. I never had anybody play a druid. I never saw anybody play a druid, so I don't. That's but because shape shifting. It's because you only uh, role play with cool people, not lame druid lovers. <laughs> uh, the 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 what makes it really powerful is that you can cast spells in wild shape and and eventually just spend your whole time in wild shape. Okay. So you're basically a bear who can cast the full suite of druid spells. It's great. It's a consequence of Polymorph being overpowered in that edition. Do you get to heal every time you switch forms? Uh, I don't recall. Something like that. Okay. <clears throat> like if, if you if you go back to Druid form, I think you get some sort of heal. I don't I don't really remember. That's not the important part. But you, you're big. You got a lot of hit points. You got you got all the bear's physical stats plus your own mental stats. And you get all your spells. So. Indeed. All right. I am rubbing my hands with anticipation. <laughs> so, Daddy Warpig, what did you do this week? Did you watch anything new and interesting? <laughs> well, I watched a series of a TV series on... Amazon. I watched a zombie movie on Amazon, and I watched another zombie movie on Netflix. Yes. Zombie movies. Uh. <clears throat> um, the TV series was called Tales from the Loop. 
And Tales from the Loop, I was part of long before it existed. Because the series is based on um, a series of paintings by a Scandinavian painter um, that are really kind of bizarre and cool. They're... Uh, I chose one as the thumbnail for today's show. Yes. The, painting, not- the thumbnail isn't uh, part of a TV series... It's just one of his paintings, and they're vignettes of really kind of weird things. They're science fictional in that they're pictures of robots or these weird technological artifacts that don't exist in our world, and then there's people in them, and they're almost like little slices of stories, and I've been seeing this guy for you know several years, and I really like his stuff, and you know, I'm doing a lot of art for uh, the secret project. That is, I'm searching through pieces of art online for inspiration or just like, oh, okay, that's what this, uh, that looks exactly like this one thing. I'm going to just keep this painting um, or photograph or whatever. Um, and then uh, from his photographs, they've proven so, or his paintings, his illustrations, they've proven so popular that they made a role-playing game out of them, out of the themes and ideas and, and kind of implied setting of all these pictures. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if it's actually come out, but they they made it, and it was in a Kickstarter. And so actually I think it was a successful Kickstarter. Um, so I don't know if it's been released, but it was successful. Um, and then they went through and made a uh, this TV series. So the guy memed this Amazon series into existence from his own paintings. Wow. Which and you're I right, just, they're really, uh, I, I, I'd say they're evocative. Yes, you, evocative. You look, you look at the painting and, and you think, that's so bizarre. What What is happening in this? world what is why is this giant robot there what is what does it mean uh, and so it, it sort of gets your creativity going where you sort of think about wow it could be like this or this um, and it's not done it's not done in a surrealistic style it it it's done in a realistic style as in as if you know there as if this thing he's painted exists as if he were looking at this scene and painted it it's cool yeah. Um, they're very idiosyncratic. They're very, but they're very specific. They're not, uh, but you're exactly right. That They're very, very specific. Like this is a specific detailed picture into this other world um, with its own, uh, its own idiosyncrasies, but it could be real. It, it's just really different from ours. You know, um, it, it reminds me. It reminds me of that Polish artist who did the paintings that formed the basis for the game Scythe. Uh, this is this is the artist who would trace over a photograph or something and then add mechs in the background, and it would look like 
turn of the century Europe with giant walking robots, steam powered robots. I love him. I was following him before the game came out too. He did some great stuff. He had like the Russians with, uh, you know, Russians with their star caps and guns, but they were walking next to mechs through, uh, uh, snowy forests and yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. I mean, he, he, he got roundly trashed online for, he basically, uh, copied works and traced works and tried to, uh, which isn't a problem, but he passed it off as if he were doing all the paintings himself from scratch. Uh, I I I don't know anything about this Scandinavian artist. Do, do you have his name? Yes, I, the name is on the uh, Amazon page, but there is no hope in hell of me pronouncing it, so I didn't even try. Simon Stalinhog, and and that's got a I don't know how to pronounce that accented A, but yep. Simon Stalinhog. Or it could be Stalinog. Anyway, cool stuff. Cool stuff. So tell me about this. Uh, tell me a little bit more about this Amazon series. <clears throat> the Amazon series. Uh, all of this is called Tales from the Loop. Because there is, it's set in an indeterminate time. Uh, in a world that is like our own, except... Man, my voice is starting to go. <laughs> this is bad. I know. I know uh, both of us. We're going to be scratchy by the end of the show. Uh, hey, have you considered drinking a cool glass of water or perhaps some tea with lemon and honey? Uh, I don't drink tea. Uh, oh, that's right. You're, uh, you're missing out s- a little bit. We're going to have to step this up a little bit, or I'm not going to be able to talk by the end of the show. I am drinking nice cold ice water, though. Very good. Um, Very good. So, it's set in a world that's kind of like our own in a sort of indeterminate time, which isn't necessarily modern, but isn't necessarily not. Um, And each episode focuses around a different character. And they're mostly, each episode focuses around a separate character from show to show. And they're mostly different characters, though uh, a few episodes uh, focus around the same little boy. And they jump around in surprising ways the subject of each the science fictional um device or idea of each show is different so you get a big huge variety from episode to episode and it's really interesting um you know one of the shows will focus on a machine that lets people switch their minds so they can live in each other's bodies for a day. One of the shows focuses around a device that lets you freeze time. So you and another person can wander around the town and, uh, you know, walk into other people's houses while they're frozen and uh, eat food from the grocery store and whatever. Um, 
one of the episodes focuses on uh, this uh, robot that somebody built that uh, is inhabiting, uh, you know, that uh, I can't say much more about that episode uh, without spoiling a whole bunch of stuff. Hey, hey, so hey, easy on the spoilers. <laughs> I only saw the I saw the first two episodes upon your recommendation. Um, so the science fictional concept embedded in each episode is different, and so there's always something new. They're not hitting the same buttons, um, and because it's a new main character every time you're seeing the loop and the town and the people in the town from different points of view. So the loop is a facility built underground in this one town out in the middle of nowhere to study this phenomenon, this object that's popped up, um, and all of the technological anomalies in the town, all of the weird science fictional stuff that's advanced more than in our world are not part of a civilizational technological base. They're part of these warps in reality or warps in uh, scientific advancements made possible by this artifact. So they can build, you know, huge robots and stuff, not because their technology advanced so far, but because this uh, object allowed them to. And their robots aren't even necessarily integrated into society. They've got out in the woods robots that just wander around because they don't know what to do with them. They built them, but they're useless. Um. And even some of the ones that are useful, you get the feeling that they are specifically useful for this one task. And nobody really uses them beyond that. They're just kind of like one-off oddities that haven't been integrated into society. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, as as a framework, i got to be honest, that's pretty weak. They... Uh, they the, you've got this weird world, this science fiction world evoked by the paintings. And the show basically says, well, there's this artifact here, this this science experiment or, or whatever, the loop. And it's the reason all this stuff is weird and all this weird stuff happens. And you go, oh, well, all right. But I don't think that necessarily matters. Uh, that's, um, just the, that's just the impression I got. And as normal, I my thoughts go straight from brain to mouth and to your ears. Thank you for listening. <laughs> so the episodes are deliberately paced. This is not a fast paced action movie show. Um, there is, I think I remember other than scuffles between brothers, there's like one fight scene in the entire series. That's not bad. Uh, that's how the show is written. I myself personally love action movies, but this is a more deliberately paced show. It's a more, you know, sci-fi thinking show. It's uh, 
um, characters do things and things happen and they keep the plot moving, but it's not an action movie show. So don't adjust your expectations accordingly. Um, a lot of the action happens without dialogue. So you actually have to watch it. You can't, you can't sit there and play a video game <laughs> and not pay attention to the show and expect to understand what's going on. Uh, consequences are permanent. This is not a sitcom show. When something bad happens to a character in one episode, that character, if you see them in the background of a later episode, uh, or even if they come back as a main character in a later episode, those that bad thing that happened to them is permanent. It affects them for the rest of the series. Um, and characters do come back or do stay in the background. Characters don't just come up and totally disappear most of the time. Um, so there's a continuity of life. This is a series that's meant to show, you know, how the lives of this town intertwine. Um, that's just the way it's plotted from episode to episode. Uh, I like it. I, I have a, I have a quick summary for anybody who's curious about it. And I, I hope I actually, I think I will watch the rest of it because to me, it's what if you made a series or, or a season of the twilight zone with the same cast of characters in the same town. Yes, that's exactly what it is. That's that's cool. If you can pull it off, that's cool. Um, and I, like I said, I watched the first two episodes, and ne- after the second episode, you get it. You you think, oh, as you said, Daddy Warpig, this isn't going to be a long movie, or it's it's going to be a series of science fiction stories that are that happen in this town for no real good reason, doesn't matter. And these are the characters that are going to interact with it. Um, led by the legendary Jonathan Price. Yes. Yeah, he's he's sort of the, the common denominator. Uh, he, he introduces the series, actually. He's the, he's the guy responsible for the loop being there. Supposedly. Well, that's what he says. And that's all you need to know about it about the story because it's it's just a setup for a twilight zone can i say i i think the first episode was the pilot but for being a pilot i thought it was really strong i really liked that first episode i am (laughs) uh no it was it was an hour long, and I think they could have st- told the story in 30 minutes. And so I think, I, I mean, I liked the story, but it was a little long, a little drawn out. Drawn out. They, they drew out a couple of things. They drew out the, the, you know, the introduction of the little girl. Uh, they showed a couple of scenes that weren't really, they didn't feel necessary. Maybe, maybe those things have an effect on later stories in the, series but i didn't uh uh, for the first half of the show i was like i so what's going on here where is this where is this going 
and it, it sort of didn't get there until it got there like 10, 15 minutes later than it needed to, but that's okay. I, I did like the story. It was a cool, it was a cool episode, cool story and strong, but uh, I did have that complaint. Uh, part um, of the part of that is, uh, of course, you've got child actors. Child children are uh, infamously poor actors. You just gonna, you have to go with it. And the kids did all right. Um, I didn't have a, I wasn't impressed by much of the other acting, but uh, they did the job. It was it was enjoyable to watch. Yeah, 45 minutes should be the maximum, uh, Shepard. Also, you're wrong about T, but uh, <laughs> but uh, if you think about it, t traditional television episodes are about 42 minutes. I think it's 42 and a half minutes, uh, and the rest of the time is devoted to commercial breaks. So a typical hour of TV, that episode is actually under 45 minutes long. Um, so that, that might be what you're used to. Yeah, each each episode and and the resemblance gets stronger as you go on. Each episode really does rem resemble a Twilight Zone episode, hmm. though not as M Night Shyamalan. -y. They're not trying to spring big, huge surprises on you. Uh, oh, and that was that was the famous that was Twilight Zone's calling card was they had that they had that twist. Whether you see it coming or not, you go, wow, what a cool reveal. He was on Earth all along. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not trying hard to push twists that surprise you. It's just, you know, it's, it's kind of more how the person changes or something happens, how the technology... Or how the loop pushes them in a in a different way. Uh, I mean, the second episode is is I think the a much better example of that than the first episode. the The first episode was good, but the second episode really set that up. There's a device that has an effect uh, that is introduced after you're introduced to the main characters. You know exactly where the story is going to go, but you, you see how the characters happen and, and everything that the characters do makes sense more or less in character. And then you, you know, you're interested to see how it's resolved. There you go. That's, it's just a simple sci-fi story with, you know, with this, with this weird premise. What if we had a machine that X? All right, let's throw these two characters in and see what happens. That's cool. Yeah. The show isn't trying to go out of its way to, the writers aren't trying to make themselves feel smarter than the audience. They're not trying to make you feel dumb. They're not trying to put one over on you. They're really just actually trying to tell good stories, mm -hmm. which is really rare, especially for a show like this. I mean, it is a thinky show. It is a show that's playing with science fictional con concepts, and they are trying to tell stories uh, and show how the stories of these people interact with the technology so it'd be real easy to try and go for that oh see how clever i am as a writer thing but they're really not trying to do that and i found 
excuse me, I found that really pleasant as I was watching the series. They're not trying to talk down to me. Yeah. I, I agree. They're not trying to be clever or twisty or there's, I was afraid it was going to be another mystery, mystery box show, but it's, it is a standard science fiction tale, which is cool. I like the science fictional conceits. Um, I don't remember one of them uh, being really stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously some of them we've seen before, but that's okay. They're well done. They're for the most part, they're well used in the shows. Uh, and it's only 10 hours. So it's not like it had time to wear them out. Um, you know, it's not like when you've got like 20 something episodes a season, you get real desperate for new material pretty quickly. Absolutely. So it's not like they had a chance to run out of ideas. My one, my one complaint about the series is the last episode, it felt like they had to wrap everything up and they did it really suddenly. And they also, it seemed like they felt like they had to put in an explanation for everything and the explanation they dropped in just wasn't a great one. So they were trying to explain the loop and where everything came from. And I was cool with like, you know, all these pylons and weird things just appearing from nowhere or growing out of the ground or whatever. Like this weird and mysterious object just made him grow up like trees. You know? Yeah that it makes these weird technological things just grow up and people have to learn to live with them and wherever they grew up, that's where they grew up Uh, and wherever they appeared from, that's where they appeared from. But then they started making an explanation and it just didn't make sense. The explanation they came up with didn't make sense. So, yeah, that's, that's a shame. They, they, I'm a little disappointed to hear that. There's no reason to tie it all together. I mean, it was quick. It was just thrown out, so it may have been something they were forced to put in by Amazon. Uh, mm. And it wasn't so much the explanation itself, because it didn't really matter. It just flashed by. Okay. But it, it felt rushed. Like, that whole last episode felt rushed, like they had to tie everything up. Oh, that's all right. I don't, I don't think that's going to stop me from viewing some more of the episodes. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to watching a couple more. I'll, I'll find some time this week and, and finish up the season. Uh, what did you think of the, the technical stuff, the, the film shooting, the cinematography and the, uh, say that animations and special effects. Oh, I thought the special effects were great. Um, the, uh, I watched it on my 1080p big TV and it didn't look bad at all. Um, and when I'm saying it didn't look bad, I mean, it looked great. You know, Amazon obviously gave them a big enough budget to do what they needed to do. Um, at one point during a show, an anti-grav tractor shows up. That was awesome. <laughs> 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 um, they have a the episode, the time stop episode. They walk past people frozen in the in the street and they do, you know, like 360 camera movements around them. And that looks great. doesn't look fake. 
I mean, cool. They don't have to do a lot of special effects shots, and they take care to imply where they can. But when they do have special effects, it's like the robots moving around. I thought those were awesome. They were pretty much seamless. I couldn't. They didn't look fake at all. Uh, uh, yeah, I was. It was. Uh, it was about eighty percent for me. There was a couple times, and I was like, "This is obviously a computer animation." But yeah, it 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 looked like it was there. It was really good, really well done. Um, and then all the cinematography and stuff was was solid good sometimes you know ramping on up to really really pretty yeah yeah good stuff uh, i was pleasantly surprised by what i saw it didn't most importantly it doesn't look cheap it doesn't look rushed out or you know yeah yeah it looks like it looks like a well done television show it doesn't look like a big budget Hollywood production. It looks like a very well done television show that the people who made obviously cared about making. Yeah. So I'd, I'd give it a definite recommend, folks. If, if what we're saying intrigues you, it's a Twilight Zone-esque TV show set in the same setting, the same town, a uh, similar background with different characters and a different science, different main character and different science fictional concept every week. Uh, that is good. Well done and didn't push oh. politics. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I don't, I don't remember a single episode that pushed politics. That's good. I don't remember a single episode that even mentioned politics. Uh, and um, that's that. That's all I have to say about it. I I agree. I it was cool. I'd like to see more. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. You guys should go see it. Cool. Well, we got fifteen minutes left. Let's see if I can get through hashtag alive and the night eats the world. The night talking... eats the world? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I'm wincing in real life, but I'm smiling on the inside. Is that how it goes? <laughs> What's going on? Tell, uh, tell me about these, these wonderful, uh, horrible films. Horror films. Did I say horrible? I meant horror films. I think I might have talked about the night eats the world on the show before. But here's what happened. I uh, I came across hashtag alive. It's a zombie movie. It's a Korean zombie movie. And it's about a guy who gets stuck in his apartment. He goes to sleep one night and he wakes up and the city's been taken over by zombies. And he can't get out. So he has to learn how to survive locked in his apartment. So I watched the movie and it kept on reminding me of something. And I was like, haven't I seen a movie like this before? 
I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen a movie like this before. I'm pretty sure I've seen a French movie like this before. And I was thinking as I was watching it, I'm like, yeah, I have seen a French movie like this before. So after it was done, I went searching for, a, you know, I'm searching online, typed in French movie, uh, man alone in apartment. French zombie movie, Man Alone in Apartment. And sure enough, there it was. The Night Eats the World, which is about a guy who attends this big party, locks himself in a room, falls asleep, wakes up. Everybody at the party is gone or dead. And Paris has been taken over by zombies. So I thought, well, if I'm going to mention the commonalities between these two films i need to watch Have this you. movie gotta do it uh and i'm glad i did because the differences they were actually pretty close for a lot of the movie and then i came across the one big difference and i'm like holy crap i'm real glad i watched this movie otherwise i would have embarrassed myself on the show <laughs> <laughs> so then i was thinking you know what? I wonder if there's an American. Because the Koreans pretty much remade the French movie and changed some stuff around. And I was thinking, man, I wonder if there's an American remake of this Korean movie that's a remake of this French movie. And I went searching for it. And you know what? There is. There's an American version of this Korean movie that's a version of this French movie. Weird. So I'm like, well, I gotta watch this. And it's got a really kind of generic title. It's called Alone. And there's like another movie called Alone that was just released late last year. So it's really hard to search for information, but finally I tracked it down on IMDb. I'm like, okay, let's see if I can go find this. And then I noticed I couldn't find anything about it. And then I looked at the release date and it's not coming out until the 17th of October. So... Huh. So I couldn't watch the American one to tell you about it on the show, folks. Sorry. Well, we'll uh, to... take a trip through time then. Oh, wait. We'll have... have to stick with the French and the uh, Korean one. So the Korean one's about a gamer. Uh, he is a YouTube Let's Player. Plays games on YouTube. And so when the zombie apocalypse hits, he just transforms his channel into a, you know, him talking about being locked in his apartment. He lives off of the almost no food in his apartment. Um, and his situation is very dangerous because zombies have gotten up in his apartment building. And eventually he tries to go out and get food and he's really, really desperate. And finally, an, uh, a girl across the street in another building in his complex makes contact with him and they uh, talk and stuff. And he goes out and raids another apartment for food when he runs out and finds some walkie-talkies. And they arrange this rope to send them back and forth so they can talk. 
Uh, and eventually they try to figure a way to get out of the situation they're in. Um, and it is it's an okay zombie movie. It's pretty good as a zombie movie goes. He is exactly what you'd expect a Korean streamer who lives with his parents and doesn't get out of the apartment much and lives to play video games is like. He's surprisingly athletic for being who he is. <laughs> but he's not all that together and he lacks a lot of initiative. The zombies are really well done. I liked them. And I'm really, really happy that they weren't just photocopies of uh, Train to Busan zombies. In fact, the other Korean uh, zombie media I've seen since Train to Busan, Koreans had this like huge surge of zombie movies. I've also watched Kingdom, which was set back during the uh, mythic legendary days of Korea. And uh, none of the Korean zombie media I've seen has used exactly the same zombie. So it's really good. Unlike America, which kind of got stuck in a Romero rut for a long time, uh, they have been doing really, uh, uh, well, that's not true about America. I have to take that back because neither living dead did its own thing. And that was pretty close in time. Uh, but, the Korean or uh, Return of the Living Dead did its own thing in the other Return of the Living Dead movies. Um, the Koreans all have their own take on it. They're not just using Train to Busan zombies. So yeah, it was an enjoyable movie. Not the best zombie movie I've seen, but it was good. Um, it was... It's not a comedy, but they gloss over a lot of things. So it's not, it's not a hardcore survival movie. It's more adventurous, uh, less gritty and uh, harsh than say the night eats the world and the night eats the world the title is about this guy goes to sleep and when he wakes up the world's gone you know all the people are gone or dead there's zombies everywhere yada 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 and that is very much a um but kind of a gritty survival movie it's not it is bloody of course because that's what zombie movies are but they make a point in the movie of showing him having to clear out the building, get the zombies out and lock it up, having to gather food from all the apartments, having to uh, ration his food and count the number of days of food he has, having to ration his water. Um, they make a point of showing, not in detail, and there isn't even a lot of dialogue, 
but they show him taking steps to survive. Um, and they're very short pieces of film, but they make a point of showing it. So, you know, okay, he's organizing himself. He's thinking about these things. He's coping with survival. Uh, and then they show how it gets harder and harder for him being alone over the course of months and how his mind starts to, uh, kind of lose its grip because it's not really healthy to be alone over that long a period of time. Um, and how he's desperately reaching out for contact in different ways. Uh, and it's not really, uh, he's not really getting it. He's not really getting human contact and now that's putting strain on him. Um, and the biggest difference between the two movies, I can't really talk about because it'd be a big spoiler. So I would definitely recommend The Night Eats the World. Um, and I would recommend Hashtag Alive if you're a zombie movie fan, if you like zombie movies. Um, they're both good movies, but The Night Eats the World is better. Cool. Um, and they're both in English. The Night Eats the World was shot in English and Hashtag Alive was dubbed in English. Oh, interesting. So you get some of that Hong Kong cinema effect. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, very, I bet that's very entertaining. It is entertaining. I miss that stuff from from the old Hong Kong action flicks. They used to dub all the time. You uh, you stop noticing it after a while, but man, when it first starts happening and he's staring, they're doing a full face shot right at the camera, and you first notice it, you're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Have I got a film for you? For for the best example of that, you need to watch Kung Pao. Enter the fist. Yeah, but that best was deliberately done. Yes, it was. It was, and it was wonderful. It was glorious. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, that uh, sounds good. Sounds good. And you said that that Alive was on what service? Netflix. Netflix. Night Eats the World. Where'd you watch that? Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Uh, shame on you, Daddy. We're big. Shouldn't you have canceled Netflix by now? Uh, there are things I need to review that are on Netflix. You can find Netflix movies elsewhere, but I would not encourage that. Not yeah, on no. this show. No, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> Fantastic. Anything else we should know about these movies? Um, yeah, the zombies in both of them are done really, really well. I like both zombies. Uh, you mean like the uh, makeup and the acting and everything? Yeah. Uh, and they're both different. Um, but they're both done well. Cool. Um, 
if you like zombie movies, see Alive. But I would recommend The Night Eats the World just because it's a good movie. Uh, the guy, the main guy does a great job of portraying somebody who's under an unbelievable amount of stress. And uh, he, he makes mistakes. But you can see where his mistakes come from. The stress he's under, it's not just because he's stupid. A lot of movies drive the plot forward because the characters are stupid. This movie drives the plot forward because he's canny. His shortcomings are because he's a normal person. And then later because he's under an amount of great amount of stress and he's breaking down. Mm. So no idiot ball. It actually makes sense. No idiot ball. Cool. Um, well, I like good movies. Thanks for the recommendation. I might check that out. So. Well, that sounds like we're done for today. Yes, we are. Wow. I'd like to thank you for illuminating us with your uh, wonderful reviews. Uh, it's really fun to hang out with you and chat. And I appreciate chat for jumping in. It's good to see everybody out there live. Uh, talking about tea and science fiction and all sorts of other stuff in chats. Cool. And uh, thanks for listening. It's been fun. All yours, Danny Warpig. Do we have any questions from chat? No, no. Chat doesn't have any questions for us. They just, they're just gabbing on about zombie movies and stuff. Oh, uh, Judd Goswick re recommends the books on tape dub of Kung Pao. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, folks, I'd like to thank everybody who uh, tuned in live to uh, jump in and participate in the chat. We had a, a record-breaking audience today, almost. <clears throat> well, not record-breaking. We had bigger audiences when we had, like, superstar guests on, but record-breaking audience almost for us. Feels good. So. Uh, we want to also thank everybody who's going to listen later. Uh, you can check us out on the uh, Google Play Store, on the iTunes Store, and on SoundCloud.com. Subscribe to the show there, and uh, you can listen. Uh, subscribe to the show on those places. You can listen to us on the device of your choice, or just uh, listen to us on YouTube.com. That is YouTube.com slash GeekGab. YouTube.com slash GeekGab. Uh, we're here just about every week at this time. Listen to one of the greatest shows in the history of history itself. In this universe and any other potential alternative universe that could potentially exist. Fact. Folks, we are signing out for today. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.